Alice in Wonderland podcast. This is a place uh, for you to open your mind and let your sense of wonder, imagination and curiosity loose. Uh, I'm your host, Georgia Alice, and today I'm joined by Alan Stevens. So Alan is an international profiling and communication specialist. I had the privilege of meeting Alan about 18 months ago, might have even been two years ago now, Alan. About two years, I think. Yeah, um, we met at an event and then I did one of Alan's uh, programs, one of his workshops, and I was totally fascinated and curious about what it is that Alan does. Now, your, your title is very, you know, it sounds wonderful, International Profiling and Communication Specialist. First of all, what does that mean? It means what I actually do is I help people to understand other people more effectively. So know how they like to be spoken to, how they like to be treated and teaching people how to actually communicate in that way to them. Okay. So here's a question for you. I want you to unpack it just a little bit in a simpler terms. So let's say I'm a seven year old and I'm sitting here and I ask you, Mr. Stevens, what is it that you do? How would you explain it to me as a seven year old? That's a really great question because it really makes you think, doesn't it? How do I simplify this in a way that other people can understand really effectively? Well, probably with uh, children, the best way is to actually start asking them questions about you know, the children around them. How do they, you know, who are the friends that they have? And when they go, you know, then you ask them why they like that person. And they go, well, because of these particular reasons. And explaining to them that that's what I help them do, understand the other children uh, so that they can talk to them and uh, you know, play with them in the way that they want to be uh, played with. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Hey, look, one of the things that fascinated me when we met and when I went through your program was your ability, and I think it's a superpower, even though it's um, something that you've rehearsed, um, I think, and practised over years and years and probably came with a passion as well, your, your superpower of being able to see somebody's face and recognise their traits within their profile. So can you tell us a little bit about the background on, on A, how you became interested in that and how you've been able to develop that amazing skill you have? Well, probably the, where I started with this was I was dreadful at reading people. I first uh, left Sydney in 1975 and came to Newcastle for what was a five month temporary transfer, put in charge of a group of men. My second in charge was 38 and I'm 23. So trying to get them on side. And then in my mid thirties, I joined the surf club, became a surf lifesaver. And they taught me into being a, after I did one year as a patrol captain, they taught me into being the club captain and then zone supervisor looking after three beaches. And I thought, great, now I'm the same age as everybody else. But the problem was that I'd only been there five minutes as far as I were concerned. And they'd been there since I were nippers, since I were kids. So now I'm the least experienced, but the same age. And then in my late 30s, my first wife left and I had three sons to raise on my own, four, 11 and 12. So you could say from in business, being the least experienced or the youngest, 
to the community where I was the least experienced and now, well, totally out of my depth raising three boys. So that's how I got an interest in needing to understand people. And I had a lot of business partners who had ripped off the bank as well. So I needed out of desperation, a lot of relationships. And I thought, well, I needed to learn. So I started originally with uh, body language and then moved into looking at psychometric profiling where we asked people questions. Then I uh, started looking at NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. How do you talk to the person in a way in which you can make a true connection? And then somebody about 10 years ago just mentioned to me while I was doing a workshop one day, you ever looked at reading faces? And so I went, well, that sounds cool. So, you know, thanks to, thanks to uh, Professor Google, I went and checked and found the specialist who taught the micro expressions, the little twitches on the face that tell me your emotions and another uh, authority on the facial features. What do the facial features tell you about someone's personality? Train with both of them, put it together, the body language and the, uh, the language and the, um, uh, the words themselves and came up with uh, rapid trait profiling, which is now unique pretty much worldwide mm. and been working with uh, specialists since then. Yeah, and what you do is absolutely amazing. And sitting here, because we've also, um, we're, we're recording this via video as well at the same time, and I'm sitting here going, I wonder what he's reading about me right now. <laughs> do you find that people, that, do you find people get a little bit more self-aware or self-conscious when they're in your presence because of your skill? Yeah, well, I find that sometimes if they're holding something, it slowly comes up in front of their face and I got too late, got you when I walked in the door. Because <laughs> the all beautiful right. part of this is it's all about how to make a connection with somebody. So I want to be able to read the other person so I can have a better relationship, do more business with them. Mm. It's not about reading somebody to manipulate them because that takes too much work because you've got to keep doing it over and over. But you build great rapport with somebody and the faster you can do it, the longer that relationship's going to last. Yeah, I love that you, you actually clarified there around manipulation because I remember early on that was something that I was really concerned with. Mm. I come from a very heart-centred place and I, I do like to make connections with people and the thought of manipulating somebody, which is what I used to think that some of the techniques like NLP did because I saw people using NLP from the stage to get people to buy things and then they'd have buyer's remorse or they'd want a refund or whatever it might be because mm. they were manipulated. It wasn't a true connection. And mm. I'm really glad that you made that distinction between the manipulation and building connection. Mm. So if we look at um, some of the listeners that we have in our podcast, we're going to have, um, we'll have some people on here that various walks of life. So if I'm a leader in an organization, for instance, why would knowing how to read someone's face and their traits and body language, why would that be important for me to learn? Well, we know that first of all, just in your teams themselves, the number of people who were disengaged in the workplace about or 2012 it was about 66 percent wow now it's reported to be 87 percent mm. and i found out just how true that was i put a post up on linkedin not too long ago with a um a quote from uh or a picture of richard branson the quote next to it was take care of your employees and i'll take care of your business it's that simple and i'd put up the comment well if that's the case why is it that 87 percent of people are disengaged well, in eight weeks, I had 47,000 likes, 1,200 comments, and it was shared over 4,800 times. And the comments that came back showed that the management really didn't understand their staff and the anger that staff had and everything else, the disconnection. 
So to be able to read your staff, it's not about wrapping somebody up in cotton wool and taking care of somebody. I realized from that quote in the comments that came back, the very few managers really understood what that meant. It's not giving them extra money. It's not giving them extra conditions and things. It's about helping them feel like they're valued, they have a place, that they have a contribution that they're giving to the organization. And once you start to understand your people, if you can read them and know how to speak to them, know the tasks and uh, f uh, activities that will suit their personality, and you put them in that role, they're gonna be happier. And funny enough, if they're happier, they're also more productive, which means as a person who owns a company, you're gonna make more money. Because if they're not engaged, you're probably losing more than 50% of your uh, income. And that's what we're finding. So that's the first level. Then your salespeople, if they can talk to your customers in that way as well, in the way that their customer requires to be spoken to, the right amount of information and all the rest of it, they're gonna get more sales. And again, it's going to be more money in your pocket. Yeah, and it comes down to also, I think, those those inner relationships that you have within a team as well. So, um, yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of play here from leadership down to sales um, and even you know, intro relationships. And we see that a lot of that breaking down in within large organisations too. I recently uh, did, similar to you, I recently put out a request for some people to answer a survey just around organisational sort of satisfaction it was and majority of the answers I got back was around poor leadership and um, really what you're saying really hits home for me because I've noticed that there is a real lack of knowing how to lead nowadays a lot of people find themselves similar to you in the surf club in a position where they don't have the ability to really understand and connect with people Mm. And that's a it's a really great skill to have because if I'm if I'm a an, a staff member or a team member and my leader connects with me as you said I'm going to be more productive mm. I'm going to produce more mm. um, so that's one that's one side that's our that's our business sort of side what about um, our intimate relationships how's how would this be important for somebody who you know has they're either looking for love or they've found love and it's not really going the best you know how how could this sort of skill help someone well again if you're able to read the other person first of all whenever you're going to read somebody else to truly understand them well you have to know yourself now we all have a, an idea of where we sit on the the world scale you know and we or actually we have an idea of where we sit, I should say, but we don't know how other people see us. So we don't know where we sit on the world scale. So it's a case of, I might think that I've got a certain level of confidence and everybody else in the world is either that side or that side, you know, higher or lower. And I don't know where I actually sit, but where do they see me? So that was the first thing, understand your own personality, first of all, and then you're reading people on a, a world scale, not, uh, as you feel, but as the rest of the world feels. And on that, you make a better connection with them. So first of all, understand yourself, understand the other person, then change the way that you like to be spoken to and treated to the way that they want to be spoken to. Mm. Now we know in intimate relationships, we have the five love languages and we have you know, words of affirmation, physical touch, uh, acts of service, gift giving, etc. Well, what sort of uh, acts of service, how do they want to be spoken to if it's words of affirmation, for instance? How do, they, how do you speak those words? And if it's physical touch, what type of physical touch and when is it appropriate? 
if you know the other person's personality, we then are able to uh, connect with them at a much better level on the way that they want to be spoken to and treated. That therefore means that we're going to get the love back that we're after as well. But it's not a matter of, well, you know, um, give me your love and I'll give you mine. It's a case of, no, here's me first of all, giving respect to them and looking after them. And they always give back at that point because unless we're satisfying somebody else's needs, they're not going to satisfy ours. Yeah. So there were certain traits that you'll look at and you'll go, some person that's really exciting, well, over a period of time, that can become heavy maintenance. And somebody that we really fit in with as a, as a soulmate, over a period of time, that can become a bit boring. Mm. But if you know their traits, you know how to talk to them and spice it up if it's a bit boring. And you know how to maintain the exciting relationship without it becoming heavy maintenance. Yeah, and I, I love one of the things you said that really struck a chord with me was around um, putting the other person first in a way. So if you're able to understand how somebody likes or prefers prefers to be communicated with, um, and you can do that through the, the profiling their face, is that correct? That's it. Yeah, so if you can do that, like you'll see, for instance, you probably see me and go, okay, I can see this about you, Georgia, so therefore I know there's A, B and C that would probably work best for you to make you feel comfortable in my presence. So what you're doing in a sense is you're really strengthening your perception. You're strengthening your ability to put yourself in somebody else's shoes and see the world from their point of view, not just your own point of view. And I think that's really powerful in any situation. Well, if you look at business, for instance, we look at sales. We have to find out what the other person really wants and needs. And then we actually look at what, you know, provide our service or products that meet those needs. So we have to put our focus on the other person. If we're just going, okay, I want to get more sales and you go out and try and get more sales, guess what? You don't get the sales. No. But when you put your focus on your client, they acknowledge it. They, they, they appreciate, they, res they feel respected. They're more likely to buy because nobody does business with anybody they don't know, like, and trust. It's the same thing in personal relationships. Your children, if they don't respect you, they're not going to listen to you. So knowing their personality and knowing how to speak to them, that's another level again to improve that relationship. Everything in life is a sale whether it be getting your kids to eat their broccoli, whether it's to find that uh, new partner, and let's face it, that's probably the biggest uh, sale of your life. <laughs> and then, you know, in business as well. So relationships are about selling yourself to the other person. Yeah, And absolutely. the best way to do that is to focus on them and connect with them on that, uh, that respectful level. Yeah, I'd, absolutely. It is. It really is about putting yourself in their shoes and respecting the other person for, from where they've, where they've come from as well. So, one of the things I remember when we went through the program together, so this was, um, oh, it's finished about 18 months ago, the program. Mm. So we did meet about two years ago. Yeah. So with the, um, with the program, I remember applying uh, some of the things that you taught. So being able to read faces. And I remembered some of the, some of the traits, some of the, the facial profiles, not all of them, because obviously I wasn't using them enough for them to become um, second nature to me. But I do remember practicing that and my sales in my business increased because I was now at a glance understanding somebody and what they needed and I would adjust the way I approached them so for instance I would know if I had someone in front of me whether they were somebody who would think big picture and not need a lot of information so therefore I wouldn't give them you know every single detail about something I was offering or a program that I was running or a proposal I'd give them high level 
Mm. And then if I saw somebody and could see that just by looking at them that they required more detail, I knew that I could give them some detail, maybe some high level, and then send them more detail afterwards. Mm. So I found that really powerful to uh, be able to understand that at a glance. And I still remember some of them and still use it all. And I think I need to revisit my materials, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) So would you be willing to share maybe one or maybe two profiles, maybe traits or something that if you were to look to somebody, um, what could, you know, something that might be able to help our listeners, our general listeners here that, that may help them understand when they're looking at someone's face, for instance, now we don't have any props or tools or pictures to work with here, or maybe you could use my face as an example. Um, Is there anything that you can give them that will help them just in that moment to understand a person just a little bit better so they can put themselves in their shoes? Well, the the first things we see in anybody's face when we meet them for the first time is the width of the face. So we notice whether they're wide or narrow faces, the spacing of the eyes, whether they're close or wide apart and the height of the eyebrows. Now, if we think about the height of the eyebrows, that's like fear and surprise. In fear and surprise, the eyebrows go up. And in one case, they just go up, and the other one, they really stretch out. So when we see someone with high set eyebrows, they just look like they need more space. And in fact, they do need more space when they meet somebody for the first time, because it's not that they're not friendly, it's that they're more discerning. People like me, where their eyebrows are almost sitting on their eyes, we just walk up to everybody and we're friendly with everybody, which, because every trait has an upside and every trait has a downside and there's no right trait. Knowing the traits and knowing the environment, then we have power over our activities and everything else, the way we behave. But if you have somebody who's got very low set eyebrows, we're friendly to everybody. And that's the downside as well, because we're friendly to even the people we shouldn't be, like the con artist, we're easily <laughs> picked up. But you have somebody with very high set eyebrows, where the space between the, eye, the top of the eye and the eyebrow is great, that's somebody who needs more space. Mm-hmm. They like to, look, George, you're all a bit more likely to go in, meet people for the first time, look at the room, check out who's safe to be around and know who's not safe to be around. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think just a question on that. So recently I was running a workshop and one of the participants in the break came up to me and she was standing really close to my person, what I classify my personal space. Now, when you're talking now, um, I'm thinking, I think I must have uh, higher eyebrows because I found that I needed more space between me and her. She was too mm. much in my space. So is that what you'd mean as well? That That's um, it. Because, say, for instance, I've got low set eyebrows, so I come up and take gender out of it. Say, just another male who's got higher set eyebrows, and I stand close, they'll move away because they need that space. Not that they're not friendly, as I said, they want to check out who's safe to be around. If I see somebody with high set eyebrows standing close to somebody who's got, or anybody else, whether they've got high set eyebrows or not, I know that person knows that second person Mm. because they wouldn't stand there if they didn't. Yeah. But if I walk up, I've got low set eyebrows, I walk up with somebody who's got high set eyebrows, don't recognise the amount of space they need, and I stand really close, they're going to move away. And if I don't recognise that, I just move in again. Is that person that I've, I've done that to listening to anything I'm saying? They're not. It's all about their comfort zone. 
Mm. Think about when that person stood close to you. Were you thinking about what they were talking about? Or, oh my God, they're invading my space. <laughs> the second, absolutely. It was, it was about, yeah, get out of my space. Let me just stand back a bit. And when I stood back, they moved closer again. And it was really, um, well, I felt like they were invading me. What a wonderful, what a wonderful little tip for people to have, just to know that simple, that simple trait, just by looking at somebody's uh, eyebrows, whether they're high set, low set, or in, in between, I guess, you can make a distinction around how, how close and what, what, what sort of environment they will feel uh, safe in as well. That's it. So, in, in business, you know, that's the first thing. If I'm seeing somebody in real life or in business or private life, if I'm seeing them face to face, that's the first trait I'm looking for. And the beautiful part of that is they can be 10, 20 feet away from you and you can read it. You mm -hmm. can see it. So long before they get to you. And I do it quite often in demonstrations. I'll get people to come out to the front who've got high set eyebrows. As they walk up, I'll say, right, come and greet me as if you're meeting me for the first time. And I stop and I put my arm out. They set up their space and then I step in. You should see their eyebrows go up at that point. And the audience, you, I just look at their faces and they're all, because the person moves back. And you'll find that that will actually happen. So if you do have those low set eyebrows, think about that one, because if you break that first uh, instance of building rapport, it's hard to get it back. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And if you are a, somebody who's got high set eyebrows, then, and you're going to meet people, if they're coming up to meet you and they're coming to do business with you, you're the client, then that's okay. But if you're the person who wants to do with business with them, that person, if you went up to the, the person you were talking about to sell to them, they would stop, you'd come up and they might try to move in. Well, the way to handle that, instead of being face to face, you can turn your body slightly. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden you've got a big escape route, but they still feel close to you because of your shoulders. So there's ways of camouflaging, there's ways of act, or camouflaging in the makeup, for instance, you know, by the colors, the clothes, the clothes you wear. Yeah. But high set eyebrows and people see you as more reserved. You can change your clothing color and straight away they'll see you as more friendly. Oh, wow. So unpack that a little bit for me. So if someone sees you as more reserved with high eyebrows, you know, get out of my space. But if what colour would make me feel, would make people look at me and go, oh, wow, she's really approachable. Yeah, well, see, if you went to the dark reds, for instance, well, that's a power colour. That's even more scary now. Yeah. But if you went to the softer pastels, it would soften that appearance a great deal. Mm -hmm. You know, the shape of the glasses and things like that, the colour of the glasses, the you know, size of them that can change it as well. You know, when you've got really tiny uh, glasses and high set eyebrows, then they almost look like beady eyes. It's all, <laughs> all black. But because you've got those larger glasses looking straight at the screen at the moment, you've got your eyes, you've got the glasses in your eye, it doesn't look as though they're as high. And yeah, you know, glasses are like that, um, the librarian, the friendly librarian that every call the sexy librarian that everybody likes. So. <laughs> oh, very nice. Very yeah. nice. Hey, I'm sure, I'm sure there are so many different traits that people can, people can learn. So what do you think besides, besides that trait, what do you think would be a trait for people in, you know, if they're going on their first date, would this be a trait that they'd want to know? Or is there something else to make sure that they're not, they're not, you know, they've got somebody on their first date and they're absolutely not going to be worth going any further with. Is there anything that you can tell to sort of be wary of on a first every, date? Every trait is going to impact and still on that same trait, physical touch, for instance, mm -hmm. if that person puts their arm around you too early in the day, well, nothing's going to happen in that relationship because they've disrespected you. 
Yeah. Whereas somebody who's got much lower set eyebrows may be more open to more uh, intimate touch in an earlier stage. Mm. So that will come into it as well. How a person uh, likes to be spoken to, well, the amount of information we like, that's in another trait. That's the exposure of the eyelids. You know, the closest to the eyes is somebody who's very focused on what they're doing. You know, wide set eyes, oh, there goes a you know, shiny. You know? Easily distracted. <laughs> Easily distracted, you know. So understanding that, there's this, a lot of misnomers around body language as well, like the fact of somebody who's looking around, you can't trust them. Well, I guarantee if you're sitting talking to me and I'm talking about reading people, my eyes are all over the place because I'm looking for people I can point out. Mm-hmm. It's not so much that somebody doesn't uh, is, is lying to you. It's just that, well, if they're looking somewhere else, then something else is more int- uh, interesting. Or there's a reason like I've just had then a moment ago as to why I'd look somewhere else to actually bring up an example. So it's knowing if you've got somebody who's got wide set eyebrows, uh, so wide set eyes, they're going to be easily distracted by other things. So not take, if you've got close set eyes, not taking that to heart, yeah. knowing that's part of their personality. And that's a really good point to know because a lot of people do take things to heart, don't they? They take Mm. things personally, not knowing that it's actually the other person's, I'm going to say, issue or the other person's Mm. needs that are are needing to be met. And some traits have some, yeah. as I said, every trait's got an upside and every trait's got a downside. There are a few traits that can be a real um, uh, issues in relationships. Both you and I have what I call aesthetic appreciation which is about how does it feel inside? So we go on at that aesthetic feeling about things. When we're stressed, both you and I would pull back. We've got to fix that problem ourselves. We don't share it with the world. We're going to fix it. The opposite of that trait is somebody who has dramatic appreciation. They have natural expression. They are very quick to express themselves outwardly. They're natural performers when it comes to presenting themselves. The downside of the trait is they also do stress with the same fervor. Mm. And to somebody who's aesthetic appreciation, they can appear to be like drama queens, even though to anybody else with the same trait as them, they're not drama queens. That's just normal. So again, a lot of the things that we call people, it's because of the difference in our personality. It's got nothing to do with the other person being right or wrong. So if you have aesthetic appreciation, which is, see how both our eyebrows are fairly, both yours and mine are fairly Mm. flat. They're horizontal. Somebody that sweeps up, is more dramatic appreciation. So if you have a couple who's got the aesthetic appreciation, that person is working on an issue, something's come up, they withdraw, they're thinking about it, how do I fix this? Their dramatic appreciation partner comes up and goes, what's going on? Can you help me? Tell me what's going on. And that person goes, look, leave me alone. Come on, tell me what's going on. Moving away. Come on, tell me what's going on. And this one keeps moving further back. So all of a sudden, the one who's got the dramatic appreciation gets very dramatic and goes, what's going on? Don't you love me anymore? And it blows out of proportion. Mm. So with the one with dramatic appreciation, all they should say to their partner with the aesthetics, is anything to do with me? No. Is anything to, uh, that I can help you with? No. Okay, I know you need to work it out yourself, but when you're ready, come and talk to me. And how wonderful is that in a relationship, especially for someone like myself who likes to solve my own problems, mm. to be able to to be given that space to do that without someone going, have I done something wrong? Is it something to do with me? Um, which I'm very lucky my partner doesn't do that. But, you know, I'm just imagining there's so many relationships out there where these sort of things do do go on and people aren't understanding uh, the, their needs of their partners to that level. 
Yeah, because something happens and then we end up blowing it out of proportion and everything goes. Whereas I guarantee that once uh, you're, you're very appreciative if your partner has left you alone to sort it out, and when you go back, you're probably more loving to the, your partner straight away because they've given you that space. They haven't put any pressure on you. Mm. And you've realised, hey, they understand me. Yeah, wow. and you feel, you feel loved. You feel loved mm. and you feel a sense of connection. So here's, here's something. So we've been talking a lot about these traits. So how do they... How do they come about? Because, you know, a lot of us think that our we're born because we look like our parents. There are certain things that we, we have. And people are going, yeah, but that's just, you know, my trait have I inherited from my parents. So how do they, how are they formed over time? How does this happen? And, okay. and, and are they changeable? Well, we, for years and that, we had an argument between psychologists, some saying it's, you know, it's nature, others saying it's nurture. So uh, there's always that argument, is it this or is it that? It's a combination of both. It's like the whole world, we're a combination of spiritual and material, you know, all this sort of thing. But you can't have an inside without an outside or an upside without a downside. So there is always another uh, facet of it. So there are certain traits, as you said, the ones that are passed down, why we look like our parents, the width of the face, the skeletal structure, that's pretty much locked in concrete. But you can have two children born to the same parents who look completely different to each other. So the genes, depending on, and as we know that our, we are the sum of all of our experiences. And so the, uh, as I used to say to people, from zero to 25, you have the face that your parents gave you. From 25 to 50, you have the face that you give yourself. And so the nature traits that are passed down in the genes are the ones in the positioning of the eyes, the ears and things like that, the width of the face, they're passed down from your parents. But then over time, we have what we call our nurture traits, which are our response to our environment. So you'll see some people have these massive lines out beside their eyes. And that's because they really squint a lot because they're really, when they're in enjoyment, you really crunch those muscles up around the eyes, forcing these lines Here's somebody who's been happy a lot. And if they're happy like that, the corner of the mouth probably turns up because they've worked these muscles, you know, smiling all the time, and these ones stretch. So at a resting position, the mouth is turned up. But if they frown, so they're going through a lot of hardship, and they frown a lot, then these, these muscles will get stronger and the mouth will turn down. So you have the nurture traits. There are certain traits that will change over time. Mm. So it's, it's, again, it's that, it's repetition, isn't it? So if I, mm. if I find that I am, I can, I could change my facial structure. And this mm. is for all those people aging, right? And don't want to, don't want to age and don't want to end up looking like they've been mm. sucking lemons their whole life. <laughs> they, they have the ability, right? From what I'm hearing to be able to change that, to be able to mm. start changing the thought processes, change their perspective on the That's world. It. That will then change and give themselves a bit of plastic surgery. And as I say to people, every time I give a talk, and I'll say this to your audience as well, this is mainly for the women themselves. You worry about these lines out the corner of your face. There used to be an old saying that beauty is only skin deep, but ugly goes all the way to the bone. <laughs> but those lines, that's beauty that goes all the way to the bone. You don't get those unless you've spent your whole life out working in the sun and squinting a lot. The only other time you get them is when you laugh a lot, you're really happy. Now, if I go into a room and there's a woman, you know, a networking group, for instance, the women's group, and the women don't have lines here, then I'm probably not going to go and talk to them. I want to go, into a, go into a group where I know nobody. I want to go in and enjoy the people around me, get into some great conversations. If I see a woman who's got lines out here 
and the corner of the mouth turned up, she's going to be great to talk to. It's going to be a lot of uh, joking and laughter. It's going to be a very easy conversation. But no lines here and the mouth turned down, there's a pretty good chance that person's been unhappy all of their life. You've just made me love my lines on the side of my face. I was looking at them the other day in the mirror and I thought, oh my God, I'm starting to get old. Maybe I need some Botox. <laughs> no, I use photos a lot in, um, uh, when I'm training people, especially if I'm doing it via line, for instance. And those photographs I sent through in PDFs and there's one woman, blonde hair, et cetera. She's, you know, a fair age, but she's got these lines out here and everything else. I just fell in love with the photograph. I thought if that woman was in a room and I met her for the first time, I'd be gravitating straight to her very quickly. I'd be talking to her. It'd be a lot of fun. Because she also had a trait that showed me that she had a dry sense of humour and everything goes as well. And I thought that's going to be enjoyment from the moment you meet her. Yeah. So the and lines you've got, embrace them. You've got, well, I used to go a little bit further and say the first uh, 25 years you got the fa uh, face your parents gave you. The next 25 years to the age 50, you had the face you gave yourself. After 50, you have the face you deserve. Because that's <laughs> the one you decided you wanted to keep. Now, you have a choice. Do you want to keep it, um, you know, have an unhappy life or do you want to have a great life? Mm. The more you focus on being happy, forget about what you look like, I guarantee your, your actual appearance, people will see you in a much better light straight away. Yeah. And that turn down mouth, well, that'll turn up over about six or seven weeks if you're laughing a lot. So just on that, so you you know that you know somebody, for instance, a woman or even a man that's got those those lines because they have been, you know, they've had a joyful life. Mm. You know that because you're trained in that. So is there a subconscious or is there something about us that will naturally gravitate to people like that anyway? Is there a deeper knowing that we have? Because mm. I'm just thinking now, like I don't know all of these things, but when I look at people in a room, there are people that I'll naturally sort of look at, mm. I'll look around and I'll move towards the person who I feel or look like I could have, like you said, a good conversation with. So is that, how does that work? Well, everybody on the planet is a profiler. When you asked me about children before, what you'll find is that children, you know, they understand the expressions first of all. You watch all these children, they'll push their parents right to the edge, but they don't push them over. They're reading the parents all the way through. We need to be able to recognise facial features to recognise whether that's somebody we know. Are they somebody that is a danger? You know, if they've got a bad reputation, etc. So we're all profiling. So at the very early age, we're experts at this. But as we get older, as we know, if you don't work a muscle, for instance, it atrophies. Mm. So if you're not practicing it all the way through, because we now get involved in school, in sports, in you know, all these different activities, and we're focused on those, so we're not reading people on the other side. All I do is come back and tell people, I'm a personal trainer. If you've been exercising when you're younger, you're a sportsman or a sportswoman, for instance, and then you decide to have a family and now you got involved in looking after the family and growing the family. You're probably not exercising, you're looking after yourself. And then you go, geez, I need to do something about my shape. You go and get a personal trainer. Mm. That's all I really am. I teach people or bring back to their conscious mind what they unconsciously know. Because how many times have you heard someone speak, everything they've said has been spot on, but you've had, oh, something's wrong. You've picked up the, un people say, oh, that's gut. Well, it's your unconscious mind. You're picking up the non-verbals, the body language, the expressions and other things that tell you that something's wrong, but you've done it unconsciously. All I do is help you understand it on a conscious level. But yeah, then you have um, 
when you read people and you go, oh yeah, but I, I knew they were crooks. Well, why did you know? Oh, they reminded me of somebody in the past. Well, you've got to be careful under that situation. You're not behaving in a certain way because they remind you of somebody you don't like. Therefore you behave that way. And because we all read each other, they pick it up and therefore correspond, uh, act in the same way, manner. And you go, yeah, I was right. Well, self-fulfilling prophecy, maybe? Yeah, it's interesting you say that, isn't it? Because there is, is there a danger of us, you know, having a memory of somebody from the past who, as you said, did us wrong or made us feel a certain way that wasn't, wasn't particularly nice, but then we see someone with similar features and we automatically put a judgment on them at That's a subconscious it. level. Is mm. there a danger that we could then, you know, go lead ourselves down the wrong path? Well, with profiling, yeah, there is if you do it the normal way, but when you do profiling this way, I'm looking at the dimensions of someone's face. And as I said, I'm looking at the personality, not the character. So the facial features tell you the personality. Then I've got, you know, I'll use my NLP, I'll use the words, how do I structure this to speak to the way, to that person the way they want to be spoken to? While I'm doing that, if I've read them right and I'm using the right words, I've got their body language and their expressions on their face that give me feedback. And if the feedback is what I expect to see, then I know I've got rapport with them. If the feedback is not there, I've either read them wrong or they're trying to con me. They're acting outside their personality. So that's why just using facial or body language on its own won't uh, solve the problem. Facial expressions won't do it itself. You've got to put it all together. And I found that the facial features are the quickest way to read someone because I can do it by looking at as we go over the video, but I can do that from your photograph. You know, as I jokingly say to people, I'm a social media stalker. If I'm going to talk to you, I'm straight to your Facebook page, your LinkedIn page, uh, website photographs, and I work out your personality. So when I talk to you on the phone, we can be on the phone. I've never actually seen you physically. You haven't seen me. And I say to you, especially if you say a CEO of a company and I go, well, have you had this experience? And I'll talk about the opposite of one of their traits. Like if they're analytical, you've spoken to people, and everything's going fine. Then all of a sudden they just switch off because those people are big picture. And the person goes, yeah, I've had that. And I'll talk about some of the other traits as well. And they go, well, how did you get all that? I say from your face, but we're on the phone. I go, yeah, but I'm looking at your face here on uh, your website. And I go, how would you like to be able to read your uh, employees, your colleagues, your staff the same way? And how would you like the salespeople to be able to read the clients, the customers, the same way as well? Do you think you might get faster sales? You might therefore make more revenue. Mm. And you think your workplace relationships would be a lot better because you can read your staff. Yeah. How, yeah, how amazing would it be if people really took the time to understand A, themselves mm. and the people in their environment, their relationships and at work. Mm. You mentioned something then um, around the difference between personality and character. Can you unpack that a little, a little more for us? So what is the difference for me when you said personality and character, I automatically thought, I thought they were the same. So what's the difference? Mm. Well, it's a little bit like sales and marketing. They're not the same thing. They're two different processes. But your personality is how you like to think and process, how you like to behave, likely to behave in any situation. It's not, doesn't cover what you're actually thinking about and what you're processing. So two people look very similar. They might be a big picture person. They might have what I call physical motive. Just give me the big picture first of all, physical motive. Let me, give me the best way to do it. Let me get to it. But it doesn't tell me what they're thinking about. So one could be a saint and one could be a sinner. Mm. Because as I said, how many times have you seen somebody who reminds you of somebody that's done the wrong thing by you in the past? 
well, you could be losing the opportunity of a fantastic relationship because you've judged them on the other person's character by their physical features, which is only their personality. And so once I look at somebody, I go, okay, I know your, your personality. Then as I'm talking to you, your body language, your expressions and how you're behaving, that tells me whether your character is the same as that person I distrusted before or whether you're completely different. Yeah, wow. I wish I knew some of those, um, being able to tell the difference between a personality and a character for some of the shady people who've crossed my, my path before. Well, so <laughs> do I, because my history was shocking. That's when the people say, well, can I be as good as you? Well, check out my past and you'll realise if I'm training you, I expect you to be better than me. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's a great way to be as well. So is there anything, as we finish up, is there anything you'd love the listeners to know, any little final little tip or any sort of thought for them about, um, about profiling and the importance of it? Is there any, any, any other little insight? Well, everything in life is based, as I said, on the relationships that we create. So the more that you're able to connect with the other person on, the, on their level, the better relationship that you're going to have with them. And as I said, you can do this with children. You know, understand them better so they grow up better. If you understand their personalities and you set up the environment conducive with that, even children with Asperger's and autism, you know, I've had children coming off their medications because of the way that everyone around them started talking to them. So everything is based on relationships. So the whole thing is to focus on the other person in that respectful manner to understand them so you can connect with them on a better level. And if you focus on them in that way, respectful way, you never have to worry about manipulation. I love the fact that you said respectful there. Isn't that wonderful? Just, yeah. And I love too that you said without manipulation, you know, music to my ears. Mm. So if our listeners wanted to learn more about how to do this, how to master the skill of uh, profiling people um, or bring back the skill from, from when they were infants, mm. or they want to contact you or ask you some questions, what's the best way? How can they A, learn and how B, how can they get hold of you? Well, the best way, first of all, a lot of people would like to know, well, this is my situation. What's the best way to go? Quickest way to get to me is through my website, um, which is alanstevens.com.au. Alan with one L and Stevens with a V. And they can then uh, either go through the contact form or with a forward slash in the word call on the end of the, um, the web address. That'll go to my calendar where they can book in a 15 minute call, free call where they can you know, tell me what their situation is and I can better advise them, or those that really just want to jump into it. Uh, that course that uh, you did with me when we did it live, uh, that's now online, so people can self-pace. And I've got corporations, I've even got school teachers now using the same program to build better relationships with their uh, students. And I have to, I highly recommend the program. I, as I said, I, we covered, how many traits did we cover yeah, in that? Eight traits. Yeah, eight traits. Um, and I still remember the majority of them. Now, as I said, I'm not a specialist like you are. I found it really helpful and it did help me build more respectful uh, relationships with potential clients. And a lot of those potential clients became clients as well because I was seeing them differently. I was able to, you know, be, be more, um, be, be in their presence with how they want to be felt as well. So it was really good, amazing program to go through. And it's awesome that you can do it self-paced now. So uh, well, now yeah, get on board. Yeah, well, now it's online and that when I first put it up, I had an RTO for uh, real estate agents who saw it and uh, said, okay, that fits the CPD program that a real estate agent needs each year. So they're full points. 
Uh, it's then been, uh, so I duplicated that from a business course into the real estate course. But the business course is now being picked up by about uh, seven or eight different industries as a professional development program. So, so people can get their um, continual professional development points by doing your program as well. Awesome. It. So finance brokers, real estate agents, dental association, uh, lawyers, CPAs, uh, reflexology, dent, you know, you know, it's just you, going, you going all the time. All right, so for all of our listeners out there that um, need to get their personal development points up, I highly recommend jumping on board to uh, Alan's program. And the great thing is, no matter where you are in the world, this is self-paced, so you can do it from anywhere. And I know we have listeners in India, the UK, the US, and right through Asia, and all across Australia. So I know that um, they'll, they'll love the simplicity and the ability to be able to jump on board from anywhere. So thank you. Thank you so much, Alan. It was, uh, again, I'm sitting here and I'm sitting here thinking now I've got to go back and look through my notes and, and pick up some of the things that we learned in that course. Thank you for sharing your time and your expertise. Again, it's yeah, you're fascinating. Welcome. Absolutely fascinating. And I thank to our listeners for, for listening in and uh, I hope you got some great information from Alan. And in my final words, just stay curious. Keep being curious about life and um, keep filling up your glass with more information, but also do something with it. So jump on board, get a hold of Stephen. Uh, Alan, sorry, I called you Stephen. <laughs> get a hold of Alan and, um, yeah, and really get to understand this a little bit deeper for yourself. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Today is turning into the most curious adventure.